Bavakama, Perik Base, Mishnah 2.5. Now, my experience in teaching this Mishnah is that people find it difficult. The truth is, this is not a difficult Mishnah, okay? So if you find it difficult, then it's my fault. Um, but as my Rebbe of Noach Orlowick used to say, a genius is someone who thinks slowly, quickly. You don't have to be a genius, you have to just think slowly and methodically through this mission, and it'll be just fine, okay? So, uh, that said, I do think a simple pencil and paper to write a simple diagram down uh, to visualize things will be super helpful, and I will tell you exactly how to write your piece of paper. Um, so I recommend you do have um, at least enough headspace and uh, Yeshua Das, you know, peace of, of mind to sit down and do this uh, at, a, at a desk with a piece of paper and a pen. Okay, so the topic of this mission, the primary topic, is the topic of Kol Vachomer, and its rules. So let me speak about that for just a moment. We have a tradition that uh, the Torah was written in a way that it can be um, darshaned. That means you can extrapolate new halachas out of the Torah. And uh, by means of 13 different tools, okay, there are different varices, uh, how many there are, but we say 13. And those 13 midos, shator nedreshes behen, those 13 ways in which the Torah can be extrapolated to bring out new halachas, um, are really uh, part and parcel with the tradition. So you need to actually have a tradition uh, to be able to, to use those tools, and therefore already uh, since the time of the Mishnayas and, and Talmud, there are no more uh, drushas being made using these 13 principles. Like, for example, if you look uh, in in Bamidbar, Perikulamid uh, Pasuk Base 32 there, um, Rashi seems to be making a drusha, and the Mizrahi uh, really is confounded, saying, how is this possible? He says explicitly, there were, even the Gaonim didn't make drushas anymore. Um, so really, it's, it's left to the province of of the the Tanaim, essentially. Okay? Now, uh, that said, one of the 13 Midos is the Kal Vachomer. Okay, Kal Kuf Laman means... Um, light or less severe, less strict, and chomer means uh, heavy, uh, uh, more more strict, okay? And one should not think that a kolva chomer is logic, okay? It isn't logic. I don't mean to say it's not logical, uh, but it really isn't logical. It's just that it's not illogical, okay? It's a, it's a, it doesn't defy the rules of logic, but it's not governed by strict logic. Rather, it's its own set of rules, like a decoder ring that Hashem gave us to decode halachas in the Torah. So when the Torah, when Chazal are talking about logic, as opposed to the Mida of Kol Vachomer, they refer to Kol Shekain, all the more so, which is, you know, if I can lift up a 100-pound goat, so then Kol Shekain, I can lift up a 50-pound goat, because it weighs even less. Um, and Kol Shekains and Kol Vachomers can go both directions, so similarly you could say, if a 50-pound goat steps on my toe, it will break it, so... Kol shekain, all the more so, if a 100-pound goat steps on my toe, it's going to break my toe. But that's logic. This is not what we're talking about in this Mishnah. We're talking about something else called kol v'chomer. And it's not, again, it's not, it's not illogical, but it's not governed by the rules of logic. Instead, it's, it's governed by a set of principles, which are we have on tradition. Okay? Now, um, I don't want to discuss too much more about how kol v'chomer works. There's actually quite a lot to say about it. Our Mishnah will deal with the kol v'chomer. And what Kol V'chomer is, is when we have the possibility of extracting a new halacha that isn't explicit in the Torah, but we have two um, different like halachic phenomena, like two things, A and B, and if we can show that A is always more lenient 
or at least always more lenient in the relevant topics that are relevant to the question at hand, and B is always more strict relative to A, or at least more strict in the province of what's relevant to our discussion at hand. So then we can say, if some stricture applies to A, so then kol v'chomer, it applies to B. And we can actually extract the new halacha at the Torah and say that the Torah also says that B should be strict just like A. And it can go the other direction as well. If we see some leniency by B, then we could say then kol v'chomer, it applies um, to A as well. Again, you need a tradition to extrapolate that. Um, and uh, worth pointing out here that while these do have like the force essentially of a dorai, so we don't punish um, based on dinam that extracted from kol v'chomer, etc., the same way we would by an explicit puzzle. Be that as it may, we have um, sources for Kalvachomer being a, a valid tool in the Torah actually um, exist, according to the Baraisa, 10 different times in the Tanakh. I'll bring one to your attention, one that's very relevant to our discussion here, which is, it says that, uh, explicitly it says that after Miriam in, I'm talking here now in Parshas Balosacha at the end there in Bamidbar, um, in in Perak Yud base, Miriam gets tsara'as for talking badly about Moshe, Lashon Hara, and um, she is um, told to leave the camp for seven days, and they wait for her. And Hashem says explicitly to Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, if her own father would, Yerok Yeraki, would spit Bifanah into her face, Halo Sichalem Shivas Yamim, so she for sure would be uh, like humiliated for seven days. And therefore, tisager shivas yamim. Let her be sequestered outside of the camp for seven days, outside. And then after that, she can come back in. So there you see a, a kal v'chomer in action, which is that we don't know the din. What happens if Hashem, you know, uh, metaphorically spits in someone's face by giving them the tzaras like he did to Miriam? What should she do? And we say, listen, we given that if a flesh and blood father would spit in, the girl's face, she would have to be embarrassed for seven days. So for sure she'd be embarrassed for seven days, meaning out of the camp, sequestered, if God spits in her face. That's the idea over here. Now, um, there are a few rules that apply to Kalva Homer. One of those rules is the rule of Dio. Now, the word Dio is literally translated as sufficient, enough. And actually, although the rule is referred to as the rule of Dio, it's actually and look a shorthand for a larger expression which appears explicitly in our Mishnah, which is Dio Lavo Minhadin Lios Kanidon, which means uh, Dio, it's enough, Lios, excuse me, Lavo uh, Minhadin to bring, to infer to this din, this new halach you want to learn out, Lios Kanidon, that it should be like the source of. Um, the place where you're learning out this rule. So the word um, din refers to what you're, the new rule you're learning out, and nidon is a thing from which you are learning it out. It's a nifal, kind of the same way you have like a mashal and a nimshal. So you have a din and a nidon. Okay? So the Prince of Dial says that if you're learning uh, from some given to some unknown, so quantitatively, let's call it, you can't get more in the new din than you got from the unknown. You're, you're limited by, um, I'll call it quantitatively, it's like that's what is in our mission here, you're limited by the source itself. So a, a, a simple example here. The example is um, the story of of Miriam. That's the source in Torah for Dio. So again, of course, being humiliated by God is more humiliating than being humiliated by your 
own father, flesh, and blood. So therefore, you might say, listen, if it takes seven days to recover from the humiliation of your father spitting in your face in public, so then it should take more than that, 14 days for yourself to recover if your father in heaven, God, spat in your face, so to speak. But you see from the verse, it says, if her father would spit in her face, so she should be embarrassed for seven days. So too, if I spit in her face, says God, also seven days. So you see that the principle of dio work is, even though God is more strict, we don't say more than seven. We're limited to seven because that's the, the the basis, the assode, what, what this rule is predicated on is limited by the by quantitatively by the seven-day period. So that's dio. You can't go more than what you've got to work with. You can't go up in terms of and quantitatively. Okay. Now, Everybody agrees there is such a thing called dial, um, and everyone agrees such a thing as, as kalvachomer. However, there is a machlokus, and the machlokus really is at the core of our Mishnah, whether one applies the rule of dio in the event that by applying it, you've totally undermined the kalvachomer. So the kalvachomer really has no place anymore, has no applicability. So that's a machlokus. According to Rabbi Tarfan, in the event that the dio has... Um, would otherwise totally undermine the Kovachomer, so then we do not apply the rule Dayo. According to the Chum, we do, meaning, according to Rabbi Tarfan, Dayo can limit, but not essentially render meaningless a, a Kovachomer, whereas the rabbi say, listen, Dayo is Dayo, and if it means that you have no Kovachomer whatsoever, so then, so be it. Okay, that's the Machlokas, and that's the Machlokas in our Mishnah. So now, with that in mind, let's uh, turn to the Mishnah. The Mishnah is focusing on the halacha of the Payments required when one's cow does keren damage, which he said is chatzinezek, and that's what the pasuk says. But the pasuk doesn't say if we're talking about chatzinezek in rishusa rabim or in rishusa nizek. It just says one pays half damages. I don't want to go to the pasuk exactly because of the complexities of the pasuk, but it certainly doesn't specify the location. Um, elsewhere, we know that um, the, when it comes to shane and regel. We do differentiate between if the damage occurred in the Rishusa Rab, the public place where the owner of the animal is allowed to be, and therefore there's no culpability. Um, whereas if the damage happens in the Rishusa Nizak, in the private property of the damaged party, so then the person who's responsible for guarding the animal must pay for any shan or regal damages. So you see there's two different domains, Rishusa Rab and Rishusa Nizak, with different laws. We don't know how that applies to the category called Karen. We know there is a half payment, Chatzinezek, for Karen, but we don't know if that's equally in Rishus Rabim and Rishusanizek, or fine in the base case of Rishus Rabim, it's Chatzinezek, but in Rishusanizek it is perhaps more. And if you recall back, um, the whole parak has been explicating the five ways in which there could be a muad culpability um, with living creatures, and that was based on that Mishnah, uh, the last Mishnah, the first parak, and there were five different things. The fourth of the five was called Shor HaMazik Bershus HaNizak. If one's acts damages in the private property of the victimized party, and it does damage even if it's Karen, so one still pays full damages. Now that, as I said over there, is the Shita of Rabbi Tarfan. Um, which is actually a subject of Machlokas, and the Lach is not like him. But here we see that Machlokas. Our Mishnah says, Shor HaMazik Bershus HaNizak Ketzan. How does it look, how does it work out that we have this case of if one's ox damages in the private property of the victim, so then the owner, it's like a muad, the owner must, who's responsible for the damaging cow, meaning the mazik, he must pay full damages. Nagach, Nagaf, Nashach, Ravatz, 
Ba'at, if it did any of those five things, Nagicha with its body, Nagi, excuse me, with its horns, Nagifa with its, Nagaf means with its body, Nashach, it bit with its teeth, Ravat, it crouched to break, or Ba'at, it kicked, Bershus HaRabim, if it's in the Bershus HaRabim, so then, as the Pasik says, Mishalm Chatzinezek, the Mazik's required to pay half of the damage that caused. But Bereshus Hanizak, if the damage occurs in the private property of the damaged party, Rebbe Tarfan Omer Nezek Shalim. Rebbe Tarfan holds that it's, in that case, a Nezek Shalim, a full payment, uh, full damages, like he said in the Mishnah in 1 4. V'chacham omrim chatzi nezek. The chacham disagree, and they say there's no difference between rishus harabim and rishus hanizak. In both cases, the liability for karen damage, uh, since an animal is not expected damage, it's a tam. There's only chatzi nezek. So now, Rabbi Tarfin is going to try to convince the rabbis that a kol v'chomer should apply uh, in order to um, learn that it should be nezek shalom and rishus hanizak. Now, to understand this, I'm going to suggest to you strongly get a piece of paper and a pen or pencil, and make the following little diagram. Okay, you need a two-by-two two grid, which actually ends up being sort of three-by-three three because <clears throat> one of the outside rows for, and columns for the labels. But the point is a two-by-two two grid with labels around it. So there are going to be two rows. One row is labeled Rishus Harabim, and the second row is called Rishus Hanizak, and two columns. One column is called Regel and Shane, and one column is called Karen. Okay, so now, the regal and shane, you can put a note above it, are going to be the kal in the kal v'chomer, and the karen will be the chomer, the more strict case. And why is that the case? Because in Rishus Harabim, we start there, <clears throat> so we have four boxes, right? Rishus Harabim, when it comes to shane and regal, we said, what's the liability? Zero, zero percent, right? A big zero percent there, because your putter, if your livestock causes damage, whether Shane or Regal, in the Rishos Aram. What about Karen? So everyone agrees <coughs> that Karen pays Chatzinezek in Rishos Aram. So we put a big 50% over there, okay, for half damages. So that's in the, in the Rishos Aram Karen case. So the reason why Karen is considered to be the Chomer, the, the Chomer case in the Kalva Chomer, is because we see that you pay half damages in Rishos Aram when it comes to Karen, and no damages when it comes to regular and Shane. And the truth is, and that's going to be across the board, Karen in general is, is um, more strict in this regard. So now, what about in Rishus Hanizak, the next row down? So put there, for Shane and Regal, we said the damage is full damages, Nezak Shalom. So put 100% in the box for Rishus Hanizak, Shane and Regal. Now what about the second box in Rishus Hanizak for Karen? So that the Pasuk is inexplicit. We don't know. Because the Pasuk just says it's Chatzin Nezek, um, <clears throat> but doesn't say if we differentiate between Rishos Rabbim and Rishos Nezek. So now, Rabbi Tarf is going to make an argument, which is, it stands to reason that there should be uh, two different dinim, one that applies in Rishos Rabbim, one in Rishos Nezek, because that's already established from before. We see in the case of Shane and Regel, there are two different domains with two different compensation structures, and the Shrusa is is much more strict than Rishos Aram for obvious reasons. My cow has a right to be in the street, so if it if it knocks over your you know potato cart, so listen, this is the street I'm allowed to be here. But if my cow goes and tramples your potato cart in your backyard, you'll say, listen, what in the world is your cow doing in my backyard? Therefore, it makes sense that there's more liability in the private property of the Nizak, where you have no right to allow your animal to roam, and therefore, it's stricter. Okay, the question is, 
Karen in Rosh Nezek. If my cow goes into your backyard and starts goring your animals, uh, is it Chatzin Nezek or is it more than that? So Tarvin's going to argue it should be more than that based on a simple Kol Vachomer. And the Kol Vachomer is, I'll, I'll actually speak it out before I read it to you. The Kol Vachomer is, listen, if Shane and Regal are more lenient than Karen, which we see in that first row because it's 0% for Shosh for Shane and Regal and 50% for Karen, and yet... When it comes to Shane and Regal in the Rishus and Nizak, it's 100%. If it's 100% in Rishus and Nizak for Shane and Regal, and they're the more lenient, so for sure it should be 100% uh, in the in the Karen case because it shouldn't be less than the Rishus and Nizak. That's the, that's the basic thought of the Kol Vachomer, okay? So um, now the Mishnah says inside. Amr Lehem Rabbi Tarfan. Rabbi Tarfan says... Uma makum shehekel al hashen val haregel bershusarabim in bershusarabim. If you look at the shein column, you see that it's zero percent liability. Shu pater, you're totally exempt. But hechmer leim bershusanizuk, and yet if you go down to the next row of bershusanizuk, we say it's strict. How strict? To pay full damages. L'shalom nezek shalim. So then, makom shehechmer al hakaren b'rishus harabim. We already have fifty percent in in the row v'rishus harabim in the karen column. We have fifty percent already. So eno din, isn't it stands a reason that shenachmer aleh b'rishus hanizak that it should be stricter in rishus hanizak. Also l'shalom nezek shalim that karen should pay full damages in the rishus hanizak. That's the thought. So we should put a hundred in that the box, the box which is in the Rishus Hanizak row, and in the Karen column, which should be a hundred according to Rabtarfan, based on Kalvachomer. Okay. Now the Chacham reject that and they say, listen, you're trying to now take your pen and like kind of draw an arrow down, if you will, from the fifty down into the new box. So you the rabbis say, listen, you're you're trying to you're trying to apply fifty from the Rishus Rabin case for Karen down to the Rishus Hanizak. And one second, you got a rule of dial. You're limited. You can't go from 50 to 100. Dial says you can't up the quantity. I get it that you want to be strict in Rishus and Nizak, but how strict? You can't go past 50. Because that's your basis. Your basis is that Karen in Rishus Aram is 50, so you can't go more than that. Dial says you're limited to 50. The same way Dial says when Hashem spat in Miriam's face, so to speak, so we limited to one week, even though it's more severe than her father spitting, which is be one week. So that's the dial principle at work. So they say, Amrulo, the Chacham say back to Ptarfan, Dial of Omin Hadin, Lios Kanidon. It's sufficient to bring to the new rule, the din, the din is referring to this this box, the empty box of the Rishus Hanizak Karen box. So that's the din we're trying to apply it to. Lios Kanidon, that it should be the same quantitatively, as the Nidon, the place from which you're bringing the Din. And since it's 50% damages in Rishus HaRabim for Karen, it can't be more than 50% by using the Kol Vachomer in the Rishus HaNizak. That arrow that you're bringing down from 50 down to the bottom column, to the bottom square there, is limited to 50. Mabir Rishus HaRabim Chatzi Nezik, just says in Rishus HaRabim, it's 50% damages. Af Rishus HaNizak Chatzi Nezik, you're limited to the Rishus HaNizak for Karen, also 50, not more than that. Now, Rabbi Tarfan rejects this because Rabbi Tarfan says, yes, Dio is a rule that limits 
a kovachomer, but it only applies where the Dao doesn't totally undermine the kovachomer entirely. And says Rabbi Tarfan, listen, in this case, we already know from the Pasuk there's chatzin nezek for Karen, and that is where that applies is inexplicit in the Pasuk. But even if we had nothing more to learn, like no more limudim, no more kovachomers or whatever it is, we would still know what's the damage in the Rosh Hashanah 50%, chatzin nezek, because that's what the Pasuk says. So our thought is, we have two different domains, Rosh Hashanah and Rosh and there should be different rules that apply. So if you apply Dio and limit it to 50%, says Rabbi Tarfan, then you have no kovachomer to be made because you're new 50 before the kovachomer. And therefore, we don't apply dial in such a case, says Rabbi Tarfan, so therefore we're not limited and we can learn the 100% story. Now, um, the rabbis, however, disagree. The chacham say, no, dial is in effect at all times. Uh, and therefore, if it means that you can't have a kovachomer, no nudin in Rishasanizak Karen, so be it. Okay. Now, Rabbi Tarfan isn't done. Rabbi Tarfan, he, from his perspective, the objection and object because he says dial is not applicable in this case. But Rabbi Tarfan is going to take a second stab at it. He's going to try to convince the rabbis that even according to them, dial shouldn't limit um, the kovachomer. Why? Amalahem, he says, listen, you drew your picture wrong. That arrow that you have coming down from the 50 into the, 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 the box of Rosh Hashanah Karen, that's not the arrow I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is drawing an arrow from the 100% in the Rosh Hashanah Regal category, moving that hundred across to Rishus Hanizak Karen. You understand? So, if the arrow is coming across from hundred as opposed to down from the fifty, you're learning from a hundred to a hundred. I'm not. I'm not saying you should go down at all. I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you should go up either. I'm just saying, dial is sufficient. A hundred percent damages is Shane and Rishus Hanizak, and Karen's more machmir, so Karen can't be less than a hundred percent in Rishus Hanizak than than Shane and Regal. So therefore, it should also be a hundred percent. That's what he wants to argue. And therefore he says, Amar lahem, Ani lo adun keren me keren. I'm not trying to learn out Karen and Rishus Hanizik from Karen and Rishus Arab. I mean, I'm not trying to try to arrow down from the 50 and make it 100 in that box. Ani adun keren me regel. I'm trying to draw the arrow across to learn Karen from Shane and Regel. Listen, we've established that in Rosh Hashanah, Karen is more strict than Shein Regal, because Shein Regal is Pater in Rosh Hashanah, whereas Karen is Chatzinazik. Where you're already paying 100% in Shein Regal in the Rosh Hashanah, so then, at least just the same 100% culpability Nezik Shalom you have in Rosh Hashanah for Karen. And excuse me, for, for Shane and Regal, should also apply to Karen. So just move that 100 across, and you dial is, is, is not a problem, because I'm not trying to go up from 100. I'm saying quantitatively where we all were. Always were. Nezik Shalom, the Kal of Regal, and Shane and Rosh Hashanah is 100, so the Chamor of Karen and Rosh Hashanah should also be 100. Amrulo, they say, no, no, no. They say, dial doesn't only limit your ultimate result. I mean, you can't, you can't, the, the din can't be more than the nidon quantitatively, but more than that. The yesod, the foundations on which your kol v'chomer are built, the prince, the assumptions you're making, they also could limit it. So if you have a rule, there's such a thing when it comes to, in words, how do you know, how do you know that Karen is more strict than Shein and Regal? You know because there's Chatzin Nezik and Rishos when it comes to Karen, and your putter in Rishos when it comes to Shein and Regal. So it's, okay, good, it's more strict, Karen, but... All you know is that there's such a thing called Chatzin Nezek when it comes to Karen. You have no basis to know Nezek Shalom, full damages. And therefore, <clears throat> you can't, if you're only putting in as your starting point into your proof 
that it's more strict, a chatzin nezek. You can't now invent more the, the full damages of the nezek shalom. So in other words, the point is they're saying not only is dio limit your final result, not going up quantitatively, but even it's limited to what your inputs were as the yisod, as the foundations, as the principles to, um, from which you built your kovachomer. And that's what they say here. Amrulo, dialavo min hadin liyos kanidon. No, no, you're limited. And since the, you're trying to learn out Karen and Rishisa Nizak, um, and the only thing we have as our starting point is Karen's more common than Shane and Regal because there's a Chatinezik payment in Rishisa Rabm, you're limited to Chatinezik. Mab Rishisa Rabm, Chatinezik, just as we only know about half damages in Rishisa Rabm, Af Rishisa Nizak, Chatinezik. All you can say is that in the Rishisa Nizak, it's half damages. Okay, so that is the, the Mishnah, and the Halacha is like the Chachamah, meaning when it comes to Karen, it's Chatinezek, uh, whether Rishas Rabbim or Rishas Nezek, it's always Chatinezek, as long as it's a Tam. If you make it a Muad, then it's Nezek Shalom. And therefore, the Halacha doesn't follow uh, the Mishnah list of five back in, in Mishnah 1-4. Only four of the five are indeed um, Muadim. This this case here, the fourth of the fifth, the fourth of the five, which is uh, Karen in the Rishas Nezek, Lahalacha is not like Rabbi Tafer in that Mishnah, it's like the Chachamim, it's only Chatzin Ezek.